This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. By golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm Haley Stoddart. And I am Zach Moore. And one of the topics that I've wanted to discuss ever since I became a host of Standard Orbit is Star Trek, the Sci-Fi Channel Special Editions. And for those of you who may not be familiar with what I'm referring to, in 1998, can you believe that was 20 years ago, in 1990, now I feel old. You know, Ken's usually the one that feels old. Now I feel old. In 1998, the Sci-Fi Channel, back when it was spelled correctly, S-C-I-F-I, uh, <laughs> remastered the original series in picture and sound quality uh, because, you know, it was, uh, this had been in syndication for almost 30 years, so broadcast tapes didn't wear out. So, you know, uh, y- there's been a serious degradation in what audiences had been seeing on, on TV up to that point. And uh, not only that, but they restored every episode to its original runtime, marking the first time they had been seen in their entirety on TV since the original broadcast in the 60s. Um, Because since the original broadcast on NBC, there have been various edits made to make room for more advertisements and syndication. Uh, But that's a topic for another standard orbit someday. I think that'd be a good uh, topic of conversation down the road. But uh, beyond all those perks, though, what really makes the Sci-Fi Channel Special Edition such lost treasures is all the supplementary material uh, that accompanied each episode. They, they air, actually aired in an hour and a half time slots to accommodate the full, you know, 50, 52 minute runtime uh, the episodes had originally. Uh, and also the additional material that not only featured hosting segments from William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, but there was interviews from dozens of guest stars, writers, producers, and you know, the entire original cast, including DeForest Kelly, uh, in his last on-screen interviews before his death the following year. So. This was a huge deal for me and my and my family back when they came out. My me, uh, my dad recorded most uh, most of the episodes, uh, <laughs> which I have on VHS tapes still to this day. Uh, all that to say, we're gonna take a deep dive into what these Sci-Fi Channel specials are all about and the efforts that some fans are making to preserve them. Uh, and we're very happy to welcome Mr. Joe Gianetti to Standard Orbit. Welcome aboard, Joe. Thank you, and uh, greetings and felicitations to all of you. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, welcome you. aboard. And Zach, 
Uh, I don't even want to talk about how old I was because I'm older than you in 1998. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can be the, the old person on the show this time. Excellent. Uh, so, Joe, you've got this Facebook group that you're trying to raise awareness in the fandom about these, which is really great because until Zach said something, I had no idea. 98 was not my radar for Trek most of it. So this is kind of really great and exciting. Um, you're putting a call out to anyone who might have recordings of these to share them, compile them, get this, I guess, big database going. So why do these sci-fi special editions, ha- why do they have so much meaning for you um, in your fandom? And then uh, did you watch these when they first aired or were you older well, being such a huge fan of the original series, Star Trek, these were just special events that they were putting out. You know, hour and a half, unedited, cleaned up prints, uh, brand new interviews with all the original cast and surviving crew. You know, it was showing Star Trek, the original series, in the best light possible, you know, with new digital transfers, other remixes. So it was really just, um, you know, a great gift to the fans. And... Uh, it was something that I looked forward to greatly when I had first heard it was uh, going to be aired, especially with Shatner and Nimoy's participation in it, them hosting each and every episode, having their commentary was uh, just a great treat. I remember religiously recording them, watching them. It was a big deal, you know, back then. If you think you know Star Trek, think again. Relive the classic voyages of the Starship Enterprise like you've never seen them before. Digitally restored, uncut, and unedited, shown in their original running order. Interviews with the cast and crew, all hosted by me, William Shatner. Coming to the Sci-Fi Channel for a limited time only. Star Trek, the Sci-Fi Channel Special Edition. And again, I'm sad I missed it originally. I had no idea. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, Uh, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy both hosted the show. But it's great to kind of hear some of their anecdotes, the trivia. I was watching some of these, and they weren't just reading from the same script. Do you have a favorite of the two? Yeah, uh, hard to say. I mean, both were entertaining. Um, The Shatner one seemed more off the cuff, I guess, and there were more moments of levity, you know. Very Shatner-esque in delivery. The Man Trap was the very first Star Trek episode to air on NBC. The date was September 8th, 1966, or Stardate 1513.1 or something like that. None of us could guess what a phenomenon we were creating, especially if you consider how bad the reviews were. Uh, One publication said the show solicits all-out suspension of disbelief, but it won't work. They said it was a a dreary mess of confusion. They didn't like the writing, the direction, the stars, or the production. They called Spock's hair bizarre and a dilly. Well, like so many critics, they're gone, and we're still here. Over the years, this episode has come to be known by fans as the Salt Vampire. And some believe it's one of the scariest episodes of Star Trek. A gruesome monster attacking humans, screams, corpses with little rings all over their faces. Definitely the stuff nightmares are made of. Enjoy. Nemoys were more scripted, but they were more introspective. Imagine a creature that feeds off of human life, attacking and draining the body of what it needs to survive, transforming itself at will into any form. 
Sounds like a certain sharp-toothed resident of Transylvania, doesn't it? But in this case, I'm talking about one of the most frightening creatures to ever appear in any episode of Star Trek, an episode entitled The Man Trap. This was the sixth episode we produced, but it's the episode NBC chose for Star Trek's debut, perhaps because the story dealt with more standard, recognizable sci-fi material. Scary stuff, monster stuff. Definitely not the intelligent, thought-provoking material that Star Trek would become known for. In fact, this episode represented what NBC wanted out of Star Trek, a Monster of the Week series. Now, that's not to say that this story is without merit. There's nothing wrong with a good scare now and then. And in that area, the man trap certainly delivers. There was an interview back in 2000 with the manager of Special Projects of Sci-Fi. Uh, his name was Bill Margol. He had mentioned in an interview that uh, he worked with Leonard in preparing the scripts for his segments. And he had done a lot of research and writing 240 scripts. <laughs> so three scripts times 80 episodes was 240. Yeah, because because there were these hosting segments. They came at the beginning, the middle, and the end. So that, yeah. I, I like that they weren't just kind of bookends. They were kind of like as if they were watched. Obviously, they weren't right. Obviously, they filmed these in like right. over a course of two or three days, and they edited them in. But it's almost like they're watching the episode along with you, and they kind of take you through the journey. So mm -hmm. I really like that yeah. about the hosting yeah. things as well. But yeah, that's crazy to think about two hundred forty. You said wow. Yeah, and you know he said that getting to exchange the ideas and thoughts with them was a unique experience. But Leonard and Bill have their own particular ways. Again, Leonard was much more introspective. He had more detailed memories, I guess, <laughs> of what had gone on. Um, like he could recall episode titles and certain facts, um, where Shatner had a more general sense of you know what happened back then. So that that seems to make sense. Uh, what you can gather from their character, just uh, them personally. And, and again, you know, we talked about this before. We mentioned everyone's got a brain for different things, and we all recall different things about the show. So some people are like Zach and yeah. just vast amounts of knowledge, and the rest of us are yeah. like, no, nah, this is important or that's important. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad they both hosted because, uh, obviously, as, as we've been saying, they, they each bring their own flavor. If I had to pick one, it's like okay, you can only have one. I would I would pick Nimoy because I feel like overall he's better. Shatner. I agree. <laughs> yeah, you agree. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I agree. Too. Shatner in some of them it it feels like he's he's just kind of reading the cue cards, you know, yeah. and kind of just phone. Not that he's phoning it in. Maybe he's just kind of rough around the edges, right? Yeah, and, and back to that interview with Bill Margol, he was quoted as saying that uh, Bill's the kind of actor who learns what he has to do, shows up, does it well, and gets paid for it. And he did that for this project. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there were, I mean, but the, as, as you were saying, but there are more kind of maybe personal anecdotes for Shatner because he's, he's like, yeah, George K. almost cut my ear off or something like that, yeah, right? Right. And, <laughs> like, Let's discuss the philosophy of this episode. Uh, for some odd reason, I thought it might make an exciting scene if I were to wrestle the tiger. <laughs> no stunt double, no, no tame tabby. That uh, tiger was on a, a steel chain. Just yours truly and a wild carnivore. And I don't know what got into me, but it sure seemed like a good idea at the time. Gene Roddenberry talked me out of it. He put an arm around my shoulder. And he convinced me that I was too important to the show to risk my life. Thank you, Gene, for keeping me from ending up as a furball. Sure Leave is one of our more playful stories. 
There are a number of episodes where we got to have some fun by putting our characters into some very unlikely situations. And this episode is full of them. A recurring theme in Star Trek is that it's necessary to maintain a balance between pleasure and responsibility. Shore leave, therefore, is a cautionary tale. Even pleasure carried to extremes can be dangerous. So, I mean, it's perfect because that is... Obviously, as Kirk and Spock, they're different. As as people, they were different. Right. And, and I like how they brought that different approach. It would have been very hollow if... Because, you know, they did the first run. They did the entire first run of the William Shatner episodes. And then they were going to, we'll talk about this in a second, yeah. going to do the entire second run of the Leonard Nimoy episodes. And if it were just Leonard Nimoy reading the same script of William Shatner and vice versa, it would not have worked. Right. Because it would have been really cheap for them to say, here's the, here's the words, here's the teleprompter, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. All right, next guy up, let's read it on to the next one. That it didn't do that. And that really showed a lot of care and intention that I, that I felt I got from this whole project. Like you said, it was like a, it really was a gift to the fans for everything they, they put together for this. Cause it was not done on the cheap. It was not just slapped together. This is some great stuff they did. And it's quite a departure from what we've, what we had seen up to that point in syndication of the original episodes, the, you know, the quality varied wildly. There was edited for content. There were, in fact, you know, a lot of the uh, episodes, I, there were certain scenes and certain lines that I had not caught before this, you know, sci-fi channel project. So having those complete episodes unedited, restored, remastered, it, it was, it really was a real treat. Yeah, it was almost like because you have we have all these Star Trek reference books and there's interviews of these people and that people and then even today you know you get books like you know these are the voyages by Mark Cushman and there are little sure. little snippets from all the uh, guest stars you know archival interviews right. current interviews. This was almost like a multimedia form of that because you had you had people like you had Sherry Jackson from mm-hmm. Little Girls Made of you yeah. had. Uh, the guys, uh, Kelso, I don't know the actor's name from Where No Man's Gone Before. Like, it just yeah. one-off guest oh, starts coming in oh, talking about yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it was like people you would never see, like, you've read about them, but you've never seen them talk about Star Trek before. Right. And th- that was what was so revelatory to, to me. And then I, th- I think, honestly, my favorite of all of them, because this is one of the very rare times I've seen him talk about it, was Harlan Ellison's mm-hmm. uh, interview on City on the Edge Forever. Because he, he, he is, obviously, he was still mad about it, and he didn't pull any punches, and they left it in there. And I thought, wow, that's actually pretty raw of him to, like, complain yeah. <laughs> complain about Star Trek, because it's a, a famous feud in fandom. And to see him, in his own words, talk about it on screen was pretty awesome, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Any, any depth, any subtlety, that scripts had, not just mine, but everybody's, was inevitably leached out of them for the demon god television, which needs exploding heads every five minutes. Uh, It is very painful for writers who care about their work. If you don't give a damn, if you're doing it for the money, if you're just doing a job, doesn't matter, take the money and you run, because they pay you very well. But if you care about what you write, then it is a constant and ongoing heartache. And and when people ask me about Star Trek and why I, I seem unhappy about it i'm unhappy because the show that was finally aired is about one one hundredth of what was in that original script all that you knew is gone there's a lot of things i can't do but i can write and that script whatever is left of it was some of the best work i ever did as as i as i mentioned they they planned to do it a second run of Leonard Nimoy, um, and then you know we didn't really realize this at the time. And, and again, you know, my dad, my dad, he bought he bought an entire uh, 
tape for every one of these, and we'll talk about that later. Just talk about preservation. Yeah. Uh, we recorded most of the Shatner episodes. Every now and then we missed. Like, okay, we'll get it next round with Nimoy. We kind of thought it'd be the sure. same thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's gonna be no difference. It's just Spock reading it instead of Kirk. No, completely different, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh crap, we should have bought 160 tapes instead of 80 for this. So you're getting along. You're like, okay, we missed some in season three. That's fine. We'll record it when the Nimoy episode comes up, right? right? And then you get to like, you know, middle of season three, first third of season three, and it stops. And there are no more hosting segments. And at Star Trek, the time slot's an hour. And you're like, what has happened here? I was promised Leonard Nimoy was going to host all these episodes. And to me, this is a great lost, you know, Star Trek gem out there. You know, in a vault somewhere. I don't know where exactly. We've seen the scripts online. Can you talk about what happened there? Why why they stopped the Nimoy uh, episodes before they finished? Yeah, I mean, from what I understand... Um... There was new management that was coming in. Barry Diller was the name of the media mogul. He apparently didn't see the value of the project when he came in. So, and he thought it was too retro, not forward looking enough. So they pulled the project off the air before those Nimoy segments finished airing. Uh, so it was pretty unceremonious how it happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think you think you couldn't wait till they just at least finished? Right. You know, right. I mean, to me, that blows my mind. Especially after all the money and time invested into the project, you'd think they'd want to see it through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, because as we were saying, this was not cheaply put together. Like, this, this, this stuff looks better than almost any special feature I've seen on a Star Trek DVD or, or Blu-ray because you, you have you have these the sets, you know, that they yeah. built and they incorporated the props. You get, like, the captain's sh- I don't know if these are replications of the original mm-hmm. props. It doesn't matter because as far as we know, sitting here at home, <laughs> who can tell, right? Yeah. So you have, like, a captain's chair. You yeah. even have, like, the the uh, the device from Turnabout Intruder back there. Like, they they, they everything. Any, everything yeah. the most obscure. You had the games of the Triskelion heads. I mean, it was so cool that the lighting, the set – they were just in front of a green screen, you know, because I hate that when I see. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really mimic the feel of, of you know that era, you know, of those original episodes, you know. In in terms of the set, you know, I, I was reading in the fifty year mission book, uh, Mark Altman, Ed Gross, uh, that recently came out a year or two ago. There was an interview with Barry Shulman, who was founder of Sci Fi, and he uh, spearheaded the project. He said that the uh, sets in Raleigh Studios with Nimoy and Shatner uh, had a price tag of a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> Oh my goodness! As I said, a lot of money was invested into the project, so it's just uh, disappointing in in the end. But uh, as you said, those scripts are out there, uh, so in our mind's eye, we can (laughs) imagine how they would air. But uh, yeah, I I don't know where they're currently residing, what vaults, and (laughs) if we'll ever see them. Maybe they're in the Roddenberry vault somewhere. well, it's a great shame. You you would think that the material would have been included in something like the Roddenberry Vault that came out, the Blu-ray, or, or you know, one of the box sets of, of the show. But there's still hope. You know, I'm sure there'll be re-releases in the future, and you know, there'll be more uh, bonus material to be had. So, you know, hopefully, someone will be wise enough and bold enough to call those archives and incorporate it into a future release. Yeah, I mean, we're not asking for, like, the raw stuff and all that. Just just release what was part of the episode. Sure. You know, and yeah. I guess I guess what you would have to do, because obviously, so, so what the way it worked is, like, you know, it would come on, and Shatner would come out and introduce the episode, or Nimoy, and then you watch the episode, and then pretty much every, maybe not every commercial break, but almost every commercial break, there was a little, I don't know, three to five minute, like, inside Star mm-hmm. Trek you know, interview with, with different cast members. Or whatnot. And that I they did. Yeah, yeah. And what, what, I don't know, what does that add up to, like, you know, 10 or 12 minutes an episode yeah, or something? Yeah. It, it, it would be a few minutes per episode, you know, nice little bonus feature. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's weird because they're probably thinking to themselves, okay, we can't just, like, release this by itself. I'm like, I don't know, Star Trek fan, like, you know, you mentioned, Haley, the, the Roddenberry Vault, right? We'd buy it. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. We're, yeah, exactly. we're Star Trek fans. We'll you buy know? anything. Um, I, I'll, of course, ideally, they would be, you know, on a some kind of, you know, official Blu-ray release, and then it'd be, like, additional material, the Man Trap, okay, the Sci-Fi Channel Extras. You click on that, and yeah. you could watch the, the those 10 or 12 minutes. And, you know, I, I did notice uh, watching through them, um, that or at least you know from memory because I haven't revisited them that often or recently, but I uh, I think the earlier episodes I don't know if it was a fact of just having more material because when you talk about the inception of a show obviously there's a lot more to talk about but I felt like in the earlier episodes you had a lot of material to talk about like Man Trap Naked Time you know you're establishing characters people are being cast you know and then but then as they kind of got on uh, they got a little more generic <laughs> you know I guess in some of the uh, some of the I'm like did does this, does this even apply to this episode like they would show clips of the episode you're watching but it doesn't really apply yeah no. I mean there was some yeah I'm sure they filmed in some general segments that they could uh, you know insert in, in, into uh, gaps that they might have had yeah there certainly was repetition in some of the material uh, but on the whole yeah they tried to make it you know relatable to whatever episode was airing <laughs> I'm Fulton McCoy. There was this very humanistic human being who is actually alive in this bizarre world. And he is being like the audience, like, oh my God, did you see that? I have passengers sitting beside me and they, uh, and they say, you know, uh, you taught the whole nation about space and you know, it's like a, in, in, I, I've been given an honorary doctorate of engineering. And the reason that I have it, according to the president of the engineering school, uh, is that uh, people who desire to become an engineer have to write down who they thought of, and they thought of me. And uh, that's fantastic. What a fabulous honor. I don't think uh, Scotty really did anything that was great as far as engineering is concerned. But for some reason or other, uh, the world caught on to the fact that, hey, if you're going to do it right, do it the way Scotty does it. <laughs> Sulu was a consummate professional. He knew what to do with the uh, helm. He was the best helmsman in Starfleet. But the other thing about him is that he had that eccentric quality about him. And uh, uh, the in the negative universe, we saw someone again that was very amb ambitious, but in a very cutthroat way. So uh, Sulu combines some polar elements in, in his character. The consummate profession, professional, someone who strives for excellence, but at the same time has a humanizing quirk. Hailing frequencies open uh, is opening a channel to bring in communication from whomever, on the ship, outside the ship, on other planets, our home planet, and is the vital organ of the functioning of that ship, aside uh, from engineering. Hailing frequencies open, sir. I said hailing frequencies open uh, about 10,000 times. Um, but when that frequency was being open, there was an urgency about whatever was going on. It was my job. It was Uhura's job. And she did her job well. <laughs> 
yeah, and this is again, this is pre DVR, right? This is but today, Correct. it's like even like stuff's online. The next, like if, they, if this came out today, all these special features would be available on like sci-fi.com. Yeah, it would the be next on day, YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They wouldn't even maybe they wouldn't broadcast it, right? It'd be just digital. Go to yeah. work, you know, drive people yeah. to the website, get those hits, right? right. Um, hey, CBS All Access, why don't you buy this and put it on your service? I mean, seriously, yeah, I'm not yeah. even kidding. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you talk about this, and you think it makes sense that they would want to release that. You know, I mean, they could have done something for the fiftieth with this. You know, if if someone had been in communication with them, right? Like that would have been a really great tribute to the 50th anniversary. Maybe, maybe we'll get on these people, and maybe we'll get something for like the 60th anniversary. You know, I mean, it's you know they got time to put it together, right? They could put it on DVD. You never know. You never know. I mean, who would have thought that they would have gone back and redid all the special effects for the whole series? Yeah. And that was something that they had toyed with when they first started the project as well. Was maybe redoing it. But they found this way too cost prohibitive back in 1998, 1997. Well, maybe if they didn't spend so much on the sets, they could have afforded it. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. Fair enough. <laughs> well, okay, so I want to ask about your efforts to preserve all this, collect it all, and, and what you're doing, what you're missing, and how maybe our listeners, who a lot of them might have been, have some of this stuff. How can they help you? Well, uh, first thing is to come join the Facebook group. And once there, I mean, if you can share whatever video clips you might have, definitely upload them. I, I as I said, I, my collection is, is fragmented. I'd have to go and compare my recordings to an episode list and see what I'm missing exactly. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I have a good portion of the Shatner run, a little less of the Nimoy run, so. Um, the Nimoy ones are really the ones that I'd be interested in seeing the most because I, I have not seen every single one. Um, I've, I've seen some that uh, other members have posted on YouTube, but you know, quality varies, of course, because these are all recorded right from television. So, but a, a, any recording in, in many cases is better than none. So. <laughs> Yeah, no. As I mentioned, this this is a big deal for me. Yeah. And my, and my dad and my, and my dad had like a a, a uh, well, my family kind of had a legacy of recording things off TV, uh, which I've found uh, as I've grown older and talked to more people, a lot of people didn't didn't do that much. So I think mean, we literally have you know boxes of tapes of Star Trek, <laughs> mainly Star Trek, you know. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, but but for this, like we you know we recognize like okay, this is a big this is a big deal, you know. So so my dad bought a blank VHS tape for every episode uh and recorded them in sp standard sure play so so let me do a little like a history lesson for vhs tapes <laughs> for the listeners out there so for all for all of you who aren't familiar with what that means back in the day vcrs uh had two and sometimes three recording speeds sp lp and ep sp is standard play we recorded two hours of material lp was long play and recorded four and extended play uh ep was extended play and that recorded six uh, but of course, the catch was the longer the record time, the lesser the quality, right? So the for for really important stuff like this, <laughs> we recorded an SP. Uh, now there were even higher quality things like Hi-Fi VHS, and we didn't we never got around to oh, that. Oh yeah, you know? I remember those. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what is this? Like, you know, we we can't afford that, son. It's bad yeah, enough for expensive. buying one tape. <laughs> one tape per episode is absurd. But you know, I, it's, it, it sounds like you, know, you kind of had a similar history as far as you know recording stuff off TV, huh? Sure. Uh, now, and I remember um, 
early in the Shatner run, there was an episode that uh, I set the wrong speed somehow. <laughs> oh no! And we did the uh, EP, and that one was SP, ran out of tape. So yeah, I mean, I, the goal obviously was to record each and every one, but uh, early on, look, that was a setback right there. Was recording. Yeah, well, hour and a half time slot, and and I think that's. I mean, I love the the material. The material. I mean, to me. If the hosting segments were lost forever, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I can get – okay, I understand. But it's it's all these interviews with everybody. You know, DeForest right. Kelly, for example. This is the last time we've seen DeForest Kelly. Yeah, and an interesting thing about D, um, you, you know, you can kind of tell that he was ailing at the time. And uh, that back to that interview with Bill Margol, he said that he had some uh, serious surgery about a month or so before. And at the time of the interview, he was thin, frail, more soft-spoken than his usual self. And he wasn't going to interview at all at first, but Leonard convinced him that it was important to the project and the legacy of Star Trek. So, uh, Leonard Nimoy does it again, man. I'm telling yeah, you. Uh, and you know, to my knowledge, it was his last uh, extended interview, really. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a little gems like that, right? So I wouldn't want to lose them, but I don't. I mean that's why we're, that's why we're talking about this to begin with, right? But it's like I don't know how else you would do it other than an hour and a half time slot, you know? Uh, you kind of have to, and I understand like that's probably why because I I remember watching them sometimes live back in the day and sometimes just fast forwarding to the tape. Like man, there's so many commercials, uh, right, the hour, same commercials. Half is about an hour of uh, actual material, <laughs> half hour <laughs> ads. Yeah, Miss Cleo, I yeah. think there was like I don't know that, that's a that's a, a blast from the past name, right? But it's like <laughs> I think. Seriously, I, I feel like there was like five Miss Cleo commercials in every Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I just, uh, if people aren't familiar with this, I, I would really recommend, you know, go on YouTube, you know, go on. Now, do you have an actual site or blog that you that you post these to? Uh, no, I just post them to the Facebook group. So like anytime I'm able to upload segments and edit them together, I'll just upload them and share them to the group. Uh, I haven't done so much recently. Uh, back few years back when I started the group, I, I had a good hookup. I could hook up my VCR to the uh, computer that I had at the time and edit everything together conveniently. Uh, then that VCR went, so I haven't really posted as much as right. I used to. It's hard to find those <laughs> so now. Again, if it, if, <laughs> if anyone has those, those machines and those tapes to play them, um, it'd be great if they could uh, upload as much as they can. To preserve this uh, yeah i mean that's that's something i'm gonna i'm gonna pull my five because i think way back when you started this group i was one of the people like oh i have some of these i want to look into it you know life as it life as it does happens right uh and i have not <laughs> i've yet to pull them back out and do it but i, I do i do want to start doing that just just because i feel you know being sp i probably have thanks to my dad his foresight um <laughs> some of the higher quality ones and like and and it's yeah. mostly shatner yeah. and a few nimoy sprinkled in and uh I mean, it's been so long since I've seen them all. But there were a five a week. That's crazy talk. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, when it first started, you're trying to keep yeah. up. But then you get to, like, maybe the end of the first season, beginning of the second. Like, all right, look, let's, we're going to record these for history's sake, and we'll get to them later if we want to watch them. You know, just – and I'm glad we kept doing it. Yeah. But, um, I, but you know, I, I wonder – God, thank God they did five a week. Imagine if they had done one – imagine if they had done one a week 
and then they make this management change, mm. and you get like you get like a third of the way through the episodes, we the first run, less, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that what a tragedy. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, seriously, I, I feel like this is one of because I'm always like trying to you know this is the original series podcast. So I'm like, all right, what what new original series kind of lost thing can we talk about? And and you know it's it's like archaeology here, trying to find more stuff. So these lost Star Trek treasures, I'm always very interested in, in talking about. Plus something like this, right? I remember I was there, you know, we recorded it live off the right, airways back right. when. You know, I would say back when the Sci-Fi Channel was Sci-Fi, I, I give it a I give it a bad rap. Uh, I think you know in the early two thousands, especially kind of when when Battlestar Galactica kind of finally ended uh, after or maybe during that they had like wrestling on and they changed their name to Syfy and you're like, what is this? You know, that's what yeah. they lost me. <laughs> um, and I think I think they have finally kind of come back around with shows like Krypton. You know, I'm a big Superman fan. I was very skeptical. Mm-hmm. Of a show about Krypton before Superman was born, like really, do we need this? So it's like this is prequelitis, but mm. I watched it and it's great, and I can't wait for the second season. So, and the people people love like the Expanse, uh, and yeah. they love like uh, the magicians. You know, there's lots of good genre stuff now. Uh, if you just if you just avoid the Sci-Fi Channel original movie, <laughs> which is you know its own thing, it's become its own subgenre, Sharknado yeah. and all that nonsense. Oh uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Octo Shark versus Megapus <laughs> or whatever. Right? I wish you know I, I'm sure that the rights have completely changed now. I mean, you see Star Trek on, I think it's on uh, Heroes and Icons and uh, MeTV and uh, and and I think that's pretty much mm-hmm. uh, the only times it's on the air these days. But uh, uh, it's it's passed around so much on the air, and you know, with streaming the way it is, who really watches stuff on TV like this? But if you have, and that's the beauty of what they did with the Sci-Fi Channel Special Edition, if you have this this extra, hey guys, look, we got extra content, you know, then you will, then people will go watch it. So I feel like that's that's things like that are really the the key to gr- uh, get people into watching live TV. I don't know if you guys have ever seen. Um, I think it was was it AMC? They did like their. Um, I don't know if they still do this or not, but. Uh, I remember a few years ago they were doing these uh, like live kind of annotated movies. Like I remember I watched like Superman Returns once, and they had like like yeah. little facts pop up, and and it was oh, like, yeah, oh yeah, those were yeah. great, right? yeah. And, and that makes you mm-hmm. stop and watch something you might even have. You're um, you might own it already, but this is cool. This is something unique. It's a new, cool twist. So I mean, stuff like that is really the answer if people want to, if if you know networks want people to keep watching live TV. Now that would be a cool idea. Uh, I don't, you guys, I don't know if you did this. Back in the day, VH1 had the pop-up video. Did you guys, do you guys remember that at all? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pop-up yeah. video, but on, like, Star Trek episodes. You know? Like yeah, a little pop-up. Hey, yeah, this, yeah. you know, this is about this costume or about this special effect or about this scene or. I, I remember that. Yeah, that was around 2007, 2008. G4 had those. Yeah, they oh, would that was, them. It was before uh, that, but again, I'm kind of old. So I remember watching yeah, that in I high school. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like that format. And then they, they would also have like a little ticker at the bottom. Yeah. Commentary. But uh, yeah. so to back to this whole project stuff. You know, you guys talk about how you have it on VHS. I know here in my little little town, um, we have people who can take, you know, and put your VHS on the DVD. Would that be more feasible to kind of either increase the quality or play with the quality and potentially get these uploaded a little bit faster for you guys? Just a thought. I mean, you could still have the tape, but you know, if they can put it on and put it on a disc, it might make it a little. But bit what easier if? Just but because... what if something happens to it, Haley? These are precious artifacts. 
to turn them over to some company. No, no, I, that's a good. That's you a can good buy call. a machine yourself. I think <laughs> now at this point to do it yourself. I, I think um, you know, I really, I, I would assume that these people that do this have high end VCRs. I think that's kind of the problem with a lot of you know, if you if you were if you watch like I even remember this when we were back doing this. Like if you recorded on one VCR and watch it on another, it's not as like good like yeah there's serious audio problems and they're syncing stuff so i would assume if there's a you know a house and i know exactly what you're talking about like that, that transfers you know analog to digital like that uh they would have a high-end machine that could probably give you the best quality than what you because obviously you know generation yeah loss. yeah right, right. Uh, because what you would have to do is you have to go get a program and then hopefully that program is up to snuff and you put it up to your computer and then you hook it up your vcr through the rca cables and all this i'm hoping these people have some s video cables right. or something like that right um but yeah that, that's a great that's a great suggestion so i, I would i'll have to i'll have to price that out and see and drive up there with my 80 tapes <laughs> i mean yeah and then at that point when it, once it's digital Right then, yeah, sky, sky's the limit, you know, because you want to edit it down and whatever. I don't want to see Miss Cleo anymore. Right. Um, I, you, my, my ideal thing would be to edit this with Star Trek Remastered, uh, the 2006, and I, I think that's and that I think that's mm-hmm. probably why this project, the Sci Fi Channel Special Edition, is kind of lost to history because just a just a few years later, sure. the, the Star Trek Remastered came out, and that's what people think of. Yeah, and, and I, I remember not long after uh, the run of this that. Uh, original series first came out on dvd and if you remember back then they had two episodes per disc so you had a total of 40 discs for the entire series which, uh, we, we did buy <laughs> but you know watching that it was just uh, staggering like the the uh improvement in quality from even the sci-fi channel uh print so um yeah i mean it went from there and then it went to Blu-ray, or actually went to remaster, then went to Blu-ray. So it's like, uh, like you said, it kind of got lost in the mix there. Now, now, if I recall, there there are some snippets of these interviews on, like some DVD features. I don't recall when exactly, but some of them made it through, and I, that makes me really question. Like, okay, I guess it's not a legal problem, so why can't we just have them all? Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, some of the episodes that were on Blu-ray, um, they had like special. Uh, Starfleet access feature, but where they have a, a pop-up video. Pop up, there it is. Pop up video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I think there might have been a few that looked like they were from that. The it's just a very era. distinctive set, you know. And then if you've seen it, you know, like, oh, yeah. that's what Newman was wearing that day, <laughs> or something, right? Right. Totally. Um, yeah, that's uh. So yeah, that's that. That's something that, that I do hope as they continue to to mine the archives, to uh, mine our wallets, they will. Uh, eventually print this on some kind of disc or downloadable feature. And, and I would love to, to see this again because, and, and even the little things, and this is something like, uh, and I'm going to edit this throughout the episode. So, so you'll hear a little, like little sound clips and whatnot of, of the project to give you guys some perspective, but there were little bumpers, right? With all the main cast. It was like, hi, I'm William Shatner. And you're watching Star Trek on the sci-fi channel. Right. Yeah. But they had everybody. They had, they had Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, yeah. all seven of them. And that's great to see because obviously, you know, that's, that's gone now. The, the, the cast, have started to pass away, uh, but and to see that this is their final project altogether is really what makes it uh, so special. I'm Leonard Nimoy, and you're watching Star Trek on the Sci-Fi Channel. Now, and they also did other random things, like they did these like character profiles, 
right? It was like Captain Kirk. It's mm-hmm. like Spock. It's a, it's so, such a cheesy commercial thing, right? But it's just the nostalgia. It's like Spock's looking at scatter. He's like, something coming in now, sir. And they see like the biography of Hikaru Sulu on the yep, screen. Yep. Very detailed, too. Again, you know, their serial number when they were born, when they went to the academy, <laughs> you know, little bio. Yeah, it was really nice. It, it it blows my mind, and that just shows you how you know a management change and completely change a project. Because it blows my mind. Obviously, so much time, effort, resources, money—you know—was put into this thing, and it really shows. And it's all up there, and you can really tell these people love Star Trek. They weren't just cashing in on oh, because it could have been, hey guys, we're the Sci-Fi Channel, we have Star Trek now, come watch it. Because this is before, again, this is as you said, this is before the DVDs really came out. Uh, so all you had was like, look, yeah. unless you were crazy like my family and recorded a thing off TV. <laughs> or you were crazy like other people and bought every single tape, you know, yeah. that came out with like Columbia, <laughs> you know, house or whoever it was, and then the official tapes. Then you really you weren't able to watch Star Trek. So this the, the they kind of cornered the market on that. Um, they didn't just settle for that. They went above and beyond and made it something truly special and 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 a truly lost and underappreciated chapter in Star Trek history, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would totally agree. Uh... Like I said, I didn't even know about this, so this is great to talk about it just because it brings it to the attention, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who might not even have been aware of it either. And, and there's obviously an, an interest in and the nostalgia factor to it because, I mean, that the group, when I started the Facebook group, we had a couple hundred, and within two, three years, I mean, it just uh, grew and grew, and we have over a thousand members. So, I mean, obviously the interest is there, and people, you know, remember it fondly. Well... The final frontier had finally been reached on January 9th, 1969. Our last shooting day, looking back, I remember feeling very sad that the series was finished. Some of my colleagues had more mixed feelings about the long haul we had been involved in for over three years. We had a party where we all tried to make the best of a bittersweet situation. We said goodbye to these folks who had indeed become my family. At that time, we actually thought that Star Trek was over and out of our lives forever who'd have guessed at that moment what we were involved in was just the beginning of an ongoing epic i for one feel extremely proud and thankful to have been a part of it and as you can see the legacy lives on till next time i'm william shatner Well, Joe, thank you so much for, for taking the time uh, to talk to us today. Man. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. What Again, what is the name of your group, and where can people find you on the internet? The name of the group is the uh, Star Trek Sci-Fi Channel Special Edition. So, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, check us out. I can certainly uh, send a link that you could post on, on your website, and uh, hope to see a lot more members join. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at JoeGian, J-O-E-G-I-A-N. The Sci-Fi Channel Special Edition isn't the only thing. We're talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM. To the journey! I love that Barkley says he's lost himself in Voyager because I have been there, man. Haven't we all, Reg? Haven't we all? It hits a little close to home. It does. I'm a little bit like Barkley in some ways. I, you know, I have just a little bit of paranoia to me. Awkward? No, a little paranoid. No, I don't think I'm awkward. No. Okay, maybe a, maybe a little bit. <laughs> you said you're like Barkley. Awkward. Give me a glass of wine and I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> Synthahol. Excuse me. Synthahol.
the 602 Club. Well, and I think that uh, there's even, you know, a, a kernel of that conversation uh, reflected in when he is on uh, the, the airship with his dad. And it's very interesting because Indy gives, you know, they give the, the two versions of the story where, you know, you were distant, you didn't hang out with me, you didn't do these things, I didn't have a normal dad like every other kid. And then you hear, uh, you know, Henry Jones Sr. say, I never told you to wash behind your ears. I never checked up on your homework. I gave you all of the freedom and independence that you wanted. And if you were to ask any kid, they'd say that's what they wanted. And then you find out, to speak to the point about fact and truth, that that's not necessarily what you want. You want involvement. You want connection. You want to be together. You want to be part of your family unit. And you want it to be cohesive. I mean, you know, at a, at a baseline, that's what everybody wants. Earl Grey. And especially, like, toward the end, when it's like, Jean-Luc, what are you and I doing just, like, voyaging around the galaxy by ourselves on this ship? <laughs> like, it makes perfect sense to you, but it makes no sense to me, yeah. right? Just the two of us, like, on this giant ship. <laughs> well, like, when wow. it was just a small skeletal crew, you know, and she's still questioning, he's like, why do we have all of these rooms and quarters? And, and then Data just nonchalantly, well, we have... You know, we need uh, evacuation and we take diplomats around. Yeah. And like he's listing it like, well, duh, this is why we have it. And Picard's like, that'll be enough data. Warp five. Well, you remember it was like when it was 42. You weren't very reasonable then, were you? Uh, no, I was not. Exactly. I was absolutely not. I was yelling at a tree in my backyard. It was not a pretty sight. <laughs> I'll let Big men in heat is not a good idea. Oh, that sounds like a great band. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trekfm and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, 
Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. You guys, uh, your, your contributions, your help, your support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time, or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding on the Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. Celebrating Trek Tuesdays. That's tomorrow, everybody. Wear your Trek. <laughs> yes, and use the hashtag TrekTuesday. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. Don't just watch, beam aboard the Dominion at sci-fi.com right now. Enter the Trek chat room and experience Star Trek the interactive way.